Hello, and welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe, the MPU. Hello. This is our fourth episode. Uh, We are your hosts. I'm I'm Jordan Macaw, and that is Micah Macaw. I am Micah Macaw. We we both have kind of unisex names. They're not kind of, they are. Okay. Uh, So... (laughs) I mean, I just don't think I don't think Micah's a. I mean, it it was it's Jewish and it's or Hebrew and it's it was a male before any before any female. Yeah, but if you it. name a girl Micah, it's automatically a unisex name. Yeah, I yeah, that's that's pretty same sound with Jordan. Logic. Yeah, um, which you know people may or may not know, and I'm sure they don't because you didn't that you were not named after the Jordan River. No, I was named after Michael Jordan. After my parents kind of argued about it, um, my mom, oh yeah, my mom claimed that I'm named after the Jordan from Cocktail starring Tom Cruise, which was a big disappointment, but then my dad argued, no, it's after Michael Jordan, which really doesn't make sense, because my dad's a huge Larry Bird fan, (laughs) but at least I'm not named Larry. (laughs) Then it would be a unisex name. But I just tell people the Jordan River. Yeah, that's better. Um, so today we, we've been, this is the podcast where we go through franchises. I wanted to do a disclaimer. Oh. Before. So fourth episode in, it's, it's been a wild ride. It's been so so wild. And I just want to say we are not film critics. We just love movies Mm -hmm. and we love talking about movies. So we just wanted to record it in case anyone else was interested in hearing us talk about it. But we're we're not, we don't, we, we're not, we don't think that we're. As good as a film critic well, or better I, than I a... I kind of do. But that's just an ego thing. That's your problem. Yeah. But we, we, we're not... Ooh, a little coffee burp. Um, good good start on this I episode. Know. But we're, yeah, we're, we're not claiming to, to be a film critic, be as good or better as someone who gets paid to do this. Mm-hmm. But once we start getting paid... We'll be film critics. And we'll be film critics. That'll be another disclaimer we'll get to at that time. Okay, perfect. Uh, so... We yes, yeah, so this is the podcast where we cover franchises, sequels. Our our kind of um, the the format we're following is the the series has to have three or more movies, and so our first series, because we're we're a joke, we're we're a spinoff name of it, uh, a parody name, I suppose. The MPU is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. and we're going through Phase One, and so we're on the fourth of six in the Phase One. And it's and a doozy. Is, and that is 2011's Thor. If you're interested in listening to the others, they're all above. You just got to keep scrolling. And Thor, I'm jumping in, is directed by Kenneth Branha. Is that actually how you pronounce his name? Never looked it up. Yeah, I don't know. That's just how Bra- I say it. I always just say Branha. That's probably what it is. But um, Best known by Jordan and other Harry Potter fans that he plays Professor Gilderoy Lockhart in The Goblet of Fire. No, The Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, Best known by Micah as the guy who goes in Dunkirk and looks across and he goes, you can almost see it from here. Home. Wow. <laughs> I know, chills, right? <laughs> um he he's a I, I mean, he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the directing part of his career. Yeah. Um. He has like 40 more acting credits on IMDb. So he's yeah. he's definitely an actor first. Um. But looking into his bio and everything, he is a theater man. 
Um, so Which, if you take that, that makes sense why they chose him. Because yeah, I get that. I was kind of reading that some people were that that was part of the thing was he was kind of taking a Shakespearean view of this whole thing because this is kind of a Shakespearean story, the the brothers, the kings, all of that. It's stuff. It's also just a myth- mythological story though, before right. a theatrical one. Right, but uh, it it kind of has that vibe, and I think that sort of comes across. But we're gonna get into. I don't it. know. I think this I think might this be is... a fight day. You might this we might be recording our first fight. Yeah, yeah, because I I don't think. I don't think Jordan and I totally agree upon this movie. So yeah, but we'll we'll get to that. So um, Kenneth Branagh, um, Gildorg, Professor Lockhart, um, has been in as an actor movies such as Murder on the Orient Express, a movie he's also directed. The one that came out 2017, uh, or was that 2018? Oh, really? Right? No, we weren't married. No, it was 2017. Um, and then he was in Valkyrie, movie I could not finish. Dunkirk as a, a very good uh, captain, general, something. I'm not sure. Um, and then he's in Much Ado About Nothing. I don't know if you remember that movie. I never saw it, but that... You, you never know. We watched it in Beeler's class in English. Oh, the oh, an older one? I know that Joss Whedon, who directed Avengers, made a new one. That's okay, what no. I thought you were talking this about. This is the like the nineteen nine in the 1990s Much Ado About Nothing, and he also directed this movie. Um, I don't know that I actually did see that, though. We were never in the same Beeler's class. I think you were I was in not, honors, I was right? not in honors. Oh. Nope. Um, <laughs> it looks like it is the first fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's also in Chariots of Fire. Is he really? Yeah, I, as like a wow. student. Like well, That must credit. have been like old school. Yeah. He's also in El- The Road to El Dorado, what favorite from Jordan's childhood. Not for Micah's. Nope. Already division. No, that's a bad movie. Um, And then in 2012, he was... um. Oh... Okay, sorry. He also directed Cinderella, the live-action remake, Cinderella. Oh, was that any good? I didn't see it. Okay. Why would anyone see it? I don't know. Um, I don't think I've seen any live-action remakes that they've made. I don't know either. Because it, it's like, it's kind of offensive to me, which maybe we'll get Not into Not until Dumbo comes out, though. Um, and then in 2012, he was knighted by the Queen for um, his, his contribution to arts and community. Okay. So he is Sir Kenneth Branagh. Okay. Um, and then that's basically him. Okay. Do you want me to get into more people? Because I can. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Okay, so I was interested in watching this movie, who the cinematographer was, and if he works with Kenneth in previous films. Okay, because I it, was interested as well. Yeah, because this movie looks like his other movies. I mean, I haven't seen like all... Well, I've seen quite a few, if I think about it, of his directed movies... And they all kind of look the same. And to me, they all look very boring. Um, what, now, and I'm not talking about shots. I'm talking about the look. Okay. Can I can I jump in here? Yeah. On, so we're going to kind of bounce around on this episode, I think. Uh, so the cinematography on this movie is kind of interesting, I thought. Okay. Um, because he uses a lot of Dutch angles, which if you're unfamiliar with a Dutch angle, that's just when it's not um, level, mm-hmm. not a level shot. He uses shot. that a lot. And it's it's a lot in the movie, and it's a little bit distracting, and they're not always... Sometimes they're kind of boring mm-hmm. and annoying, but I do have to give him credit because in the first sequence when they were... Um, when he when uh, Odin was knighting Thor or whatever he was doing, we were both a little unclear on that. Yeah. Um, 
he's using the Dutch angles a lot, and then it kind of rung, rang a bell in my head. I thought, wait, these look like comic book panels. Like, all the shots oh, in the movie cool. yeah. really looked like comic book panels. Yeah. So I got to give him credit for that. Um, I think the movie would look better if there were less Dutch angles, because then it would, Be it, less would it would pop a little bit more when they happen. Yeah. But I do think it works for the most part. So yeah. That's what I wanted to jump in on the the cinematography. So. Good point. So this this cinematographer also worked on Orient, Murder on the Orient Express. Oof, the I remake. hated the look of that movie. Yeah, and then Cinderella. He did Locke also, which is confusing because oh, that movie looks one. cool. And then he also did Batman Begins. Okay, so he's a good cinematographer. And what's his well, name? Well, he's he's weird. His name is Harris Zambar Locus or something. Okay. Well, but. You know, the thing is with composers and cinematographers, in my my opinion, sometimes when I see that they do work that I don't like as much, it to me it kind of makes them, it, it's like I know that they're that diverse and good. Also, they're just listening to the director too. That Yeah, because yeah. it's like Kenneth must have a very distinct style that he's going for and he likes to go to that style and help him. Mm-hmm. But then Batman be- Begins, that movie looks amazing. Every shot's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's like he can work with Christopher Nolan and get a great shot in the movie, mm-hmm. you know? So And I think my, my cool. issue with like, so these Kenneth movies that he's been the cinematographer for, so has worked with him on, mm-hmm. they're they're just kind of boring to look at they're too clean looking like everything's too clean um the colors are too bright like it and i guess now that i'm saying this it kind of made, would make sense for thor because it's a comic book movie that the colors would probably pop a little bit more mm-hmm. as opposed to murder on the orient express but also it's just like there's no depth to it okay that's my that's my that's what's distracting to me yeah um, see, see i think just personally, and I, I think this is like getting into a little bit more of a preferential yeah. feel. I think the way the movie looked, for the most part, is it was pretty pleasing to my eye. A- at least for, for the subject matter and the story being told, I liked how colorful it was. And I wouldn't even say it was as colorful as, say, Thor Ragnarok. That movie was oh, like... No. But it's the thing is, I feel like Thor Ragnarok, it is super intentional. This movie, it's just a thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, we're going to bump up that saturation a little bit. Yeah, it, That's what it, it seems like to me. me. But I, yeah. I, I see your point. Because even, even cause, yeah, well, no, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to waste my breath too much on it. Um, <laughs> so getting into the, the writers. So you said that a girl was first billed yes. on the credits. It's a man. Oh. Ashley is a man. Oh, bummer. Um, I thought we had a I thought we had a girl. No, so it's Ashley Edward Miller, Zach Stentz, Don Payne. Um not actually a bummer, but Well, yeah. Ashley and Zach both worked on this so they all worked on this movie together. But Ashley and Zach also worked on X-Men First Class, wrote the screenplay. Hey, that movie. And then Can they, I can I sidebar on that movie sure. for a second? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is a movie that came out uh, and it was like the relaunch. They were rebooting the X-Men franchise. It has Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy. Right, right, right. And this was still when I was like full on, like any superhero movie is good. And I was watching that movie and I was with Shane, Tyler Shoup, Matthew Weekly, And we all started like heckling the movie. Oh, it's that movie. And someone turned on the, like they turned on the lights when there were still 20 minutes to go. And then when I got home, I just assumed everyone hated this movie, and it was in IMDb's top 250 movies for a couple of weeks, and everyone was saying that the director was a genius for how he like handled this story. Do you think sometimes the anticipation's too high for the quality of what the work is? 
Like people were really anticipating this movie. That was a very well said sentence, and I I think that was amazing. That was like, <laughs> that was like a poll quote. That was amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, oh yeah, yeah. I've never seen that movie, and well, I guess probably at some point we'll cover gonna, it. And I'm we're gonna super bummed it. about it. But the great thing is we could talk for hours about it because it is it's so ludicrous. Mm-hmm. It is so ludicrous, and and everything you just rolling your eyes in that movie. Yeah, it's so bad. Well, another movie that Ashley and Zach worked on that I find mm. equally interesting is Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> okay. Well, and that one there, and then Don Payne, the third um, writer, and this is excluding all of, like the people who have credits for the story and the comic books. You know, yeah, I'm just yeah. focusing on these people. This Don Payne did my super ex girlfriend bad thor probably dark, he did thor dark world Oof. and then um silver surfer fantastic four silver surfer okay so did did any of those were any of those given just the screenplay credit or were they all what, what were their credits? those were all i believe screenplay okay because usually well, well, usually it's like story by and then don Payne might be story by but actually was definitely screenplay okay and i'm pretty sure zach was definitely screenplay too. okay um, and it would make sense because they've worked on several movies together. Okay, because I, I think my understanding—I'm not totally sure. Tell me if you know better. Uh, but I think the story by is like that's kind of the big picture person. Yeah. And then the screenplay people actually write the screenplay and they yeah. actually like do the, all the finer details. Yeah, like I for sure like the Ashley guy. He definitely had a lot of story by credits that I didn't mm-hmm. include. Yeah. In okay. Here. Um. So then, then we get into the face of the movie. Um, we have Chris Hemsworth. Well, let, let oh. me jump in on a little bit of the pre-production. Okay. So, um, let me see here. Uh, so back in 1990, Sam Raimi, our boy Sam, originally wanted to make a movie adaption of this character after he made his movie Darkman, but he went into a pitch. Wait, did he make Spider-Man? Yeah, he did the Spider-Man okay. trilogy um, with Tobey Maguire. Um, so he, he went in with a pitch... And then um, uh, Stan Lee was at the meeting and uh, 20th Century Fox because they had the rights for Thor at the time. And just what the the sentence I read was they didn't understand his pitch, so they passed on it. Okay. (laughs) Which I'm already like, what is that movie? If they didn't understand it, I want to have seen that movie. Maybe he pitched Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) Because that'd be a pretty one, a weird one to pitch that early on. Yeah. Um, uh, then they wanted to make it a TV show. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then let's see. So was Mark Protosevich, was that one of the writers? I, not that I like scrolled through. Oh, okay. Or remember. Well, he, he agreed to write a script in 2006, um, when the project was moved to Paramount Pictures and it acquired the rights from Sony that year, the film was announced to be a Marvel production, and then in 2007, Proto Svich described his plans for it, quote, to be like a superhero origin story, but not one about a human gaining superpowers, but of a god realizing his true potential. It's the story of an Old Testament god who becomes a New Testament god. Well, that's Which, cool. It seems like that sentiment, even though he didn't write it, apparently. But that's the movie. Kind of came into it, and I like, I like that kind of thesis. Me too. Although, sidebar... Uh, God has been faithful through the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think he just means change. lowercase God. <laughs> yeah. Lowercase I, G on the God. Uh, 
And then, uh, so there was at one point, I just thought this was interesting, Guillermo del Toro was in talks to make it, and he wanted to focus more on the Norse mythology mm-hmm. and Vikings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, but then he turned it down to direct The Hobbit, which, as we know, he did not wind up directing The Hobbit. How interesting would that have been? I think it would have been better. <laughs> well, anything I don't think would it would have taken much. Uh, Can't wait to do that. Those. I know. And then in December 2008, uh, Kenneth Branagh was confirmed as a director. So now, now we're into uh, the the cast of the movie. Yeah, and so I didn't look up like who else was in talks of being cast. Just so you I, know, well, I have a couple of things okay, I can okay. interject as we go cool. along. So Chris Hemsworth is Thor, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think that was a, he's a great chat Chachapo. He's a great Chachapo. <laughs> he's a great casting choice. I think that. I don't know. He works for me. I, I've never met anyone who's like, Chris Hemsworth is like the worst Thor. He, they should have never got him. He's great because he's a big guy. He's tall. And he looks like Thor. And he, he looks like Thor. So I want to interject here. Okay. I, I this, this is like part of, I feel like this movie is when they like nail in the hammer. Or, that's nail. not an expression. <laughs> but but this, this is where two things happen with Marvel, in my opinion. Okay. They nail down that they are the masters of casting. Okay. Because that's good. From here on out, I mean, there are specifics, and there are a few characters like Black Widow that I'm not into, and I don't, I don't think it's super well cast. But this is like Thor looks like Thor, and he acts like it, and he's great. We might disagree on this, but Chris Evans, great Captain America. Looks like Captain America, acts like Captain America. I like America. Chris Evans as an actor. I don't like Captain America, period. Okay. So that that's just my opinion on it. Um, And then and then they switch to Mark Ruffalo in Avengers, mm-hmm. who's perfect Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then if you look ahead, you got like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Rudd, I'm not super into, but I think it makes sense. Um for ant-man it, it, this is when it's like oh marvel just casts perfectly and then and I robert think, downey jr yes yes um so that's something to note mm-hmm. and I, I think that's kind of cool because it's like when they announce a cast nowadays you're just like okay yeah like everyone true. everyone just i mean i'm sure a lot of people who are more into comics are kind of doubting it and whatnot mm-hmm. but they, they're not having like the dc problem where they announce that Ben Affleck is Batman and and everyone runs into the streets and riots because they're like, he doesn't look right or something mm-hmm. like that. They're just like, okay, Chris Pratt is Star-Lord, I guess. I don't, that doesn't make sense to me, but they've been right so far, so whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've had an opinion about a casting choice, like based on a book I read. I feel like the last, what, last time was The Hobbit. Yeah. It was the last time I was like interested in who was going to be Bilbo. Yeah. I I, th- I remember when Twilight came out. I, I had a lot of opinions about that, but those opinions are gone. Are we going to cover Twilight? At we some have point? to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. So so there's that, and then I think this also sets the new precedent, which they kind of did in Iron Man two. But I think this is when you go, oh, Marvel hires the best actors, mm-hmm. the most relevant actors, and some of the older actors, and they just chalk their movies full of like page to page just huge actors do you know who else was considered oh um i w- uh tom hiddleston audition for thor okay that was all i was gonna say but i just think they th- this movie kind of establishes that precedent of great casting and casting just like all these insane actors 
and somehow being able to pay them all to be in the same movie. I know, yeah. And I know some of well, them are more famous now. Well, the thing about, like, Chris Hemsworth, he didn't have much of a resume before this movie. Yeah. Um, he, um, he was in Star Trek. He, like, the what? first one. He's George Kirk. Oh. That's, like, right before the first, Thor. Which, which? Like, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams, the first one. Oh, that movie. He's George okay. Kirk. Um, he, and then... He's in. Wow, that's weird. See, I didn't like focus a lot on the before stuff because there's just not that much. Mm. I think it was a lot of like maybe TV stuff. But he's in this movie called Cash, and the S is a dollar sign. Whoa, that has to be good. Yeah, and then a movie called A Perfect Getaway. Then he's in. This is after. That sounds perfect. <laughs> and then after Thor, he's in movies Snow White and the Huntsman, Rush, Ghostbusters. Rush is great. Um, and Cabin in the Woods, which is a cool movie. I haven't seen it. Very one of the most interesting twists. In a movie. I've seen the ending. <laughs> you have? Uh-huh. Why? Did you look it up because you were just interested, like curious? I think I had heard and then friends were over and we just watched the ending. That sucks, Micah. I know, I know. Um, uh, one thing to point out with him is he originally, like he auditioned, mm-hmm. didn't make the cut, and then they had him come back in and read again for it. Okay. And before this, he, he, he states, he states that he'd never really uh, lifted weights before. And he gained a bunch of weight for this role. And he was like, it was a pretty new thing for me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Good for him. Good for good for the old. Probably was really excited to do that shirtless scene that just was like, okay, we get it. He has muscles. <laughs> yeah, I hate when He's they a do god. That. Okay, cool. Um, and then, so that's pretty much all I have on him just because there wasn't a lot to know before yeah. Thor. So this really made his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tom Hiddleston which is also a pretty big movie for him because I think everything but one thing before this movie was a British TV movie. Okay. He's only done British TV movies before okay. this besides like one thing. Um, and I'm, I'm going to vote him as one of the best cast yeah, people he's in the whole universe. Yeah. Because he really comes I, into love. I don't, when we talked about this as we were watching it, I, I, we don't, I don't remember him being in the movie like this much. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's the bad guy in Avengers. Yeah, that's pretty much when we delve into his character, but we get a lot into his character in this movie, yeah. which he makes Avengers better. Yeah, and I I think that he does a really good job because when the movie starts, he's very timid, mm-hmm. and really, if you don't know anything about the character, you're just like, oh, he's just worried. He wants to make sure things are okay. Yeah, and then as the movie unravels, you start to see that he let the Bifrost come in, and he's trying to usurp the throne and get rid of and he has Thor in mo- his motivation because he f- discovers who he really is. Yeah, and he's always been jealous of his brother. It's yeah. like a classic story, and yeah. I think the way he plays it as an actor is actually really good. Yeah, he's because by great. the end of the movie, you see he's like cocky, but at the beginning of the movie, he didn't seem that way, even though he was under the surface. Yeah, right. So, um, props. Movies. He's also been in Midnight in Paris, War Horse. Um, oh yeah, Kong, he's in War Horse, Kong School Island, Kong, and then um, Crimson Peak. Okay, um, and him. He he looked toward Peter O'Toole and Lawrence of Arabia for inspiration on oh, his cool. look, and uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh went to him and was like, "You should look for Peter O'Toole as as your inspiration in Lawrence of Arabia." And he's like, "Great, we're on the same page," because mm-hmm. they wanted him to have that like lean and hungry look so mm-hmm. that he didn't look similar to Thor. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Oh yeah, he was a, he's choice. a great choice just in terms of being the opposite mm-hmm. of him. Um, and then the the only other person, I mean, well, yeah, I also focus on Idris Elba. Elba. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and the kind of things he was in before this was Goat, the Ghost Rider sequel. Oh, Spirit of, of yeah. Vengeance? Yeah, he's in that. And then he's in this movie, Obsessed. I don't know if you ever saw that with Beyonce. Just, I, I didn't see it, but it's I know a, It's a pretty, about. like, by-the-books thriller. Uh-huh. It's it's not bad. I don't know if I would ever watch it again, but it, it was, like, you know, kind of thrilling. Uh-huh. Um, and then he's in Prometheus. Oh, all which before I don't this remember. Movie? No, Prometheus, I think, was after. Um, like, right after. When when was he in Luther? That's what I was trying to look up, and it was we didn't have a lot of time. Oh, okay. So I didn't really, like, spend too much time on it. But, um, I mean, audience at home, you should know that Jordan and I are big Elba heads. Love Idris Elba. Um, the show started in 2010 and this movie's 2011. Yeah. So he would have been in it. Yeah. Because of math and knowing dates. Good job. 10 is before 11. And then to just do a little crash course in the other people because they're so famous and we already know what they're in. Let me, let me hit you pre Portman and then you go full steam ahead. You hit me pre Portman. Yeah. Okay. The portmanteau. Uh, uh, Natalie Portman wanted to do another big effects movie and she thought it sounded pretty weird that Kenneth Branagh was directing this movie so she signed on before there was a script wow that's so she was famous enough at that point to just be like I'm doing it yeah she just she was was interested which I was kind of surprised because it seems like after the sequel she doesn't want to be a part of it anymore which hopefully we can find some stuff about that by the time we get there. Yeah. Yeah. So Black Swan was the year before this. Oh. So she was in that. That movie is not for the faint of heart. And then V for Vendetta was in 2005. And then, of course, she's in Star Wars, the prequels. Um, One through three, baby. But she, you know, it's Natalie Portman. She's a household name. Yeah, she uh, rules. Everyone knows who she is. She's great. She's very small like a child. Um <laughs> Something I realized in this movie, but she and most recently was in a movie Annihilation, which was not very good, in my opinion. Yeah, the thing, it was okay. A lot of people love that. That is the movie that keeps topping. I see on like top, top ten lists where people are like, no one like no, no one went and saw this movie, but you and I. Oh, we saw it. We went. We paid money. And you well, and we I were. Pass. Yeah, you and I were just not into that movie. Um, and then she's in Vox Lux. Will be two at the time of this recording have not seen, but hopefully by the time this episode is released, we have seen it and love it. Hey, that's what I hope too. It looks great. So that's that's Natalie Portman in a nutshell. And then you have Anthony Hopp. He's the Hop, Hop man. man. <laughs> <laughs> Who is classically Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. And C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. And um, that's really all late. Oh, he's in Westworld. Oh, he's in Westworld. And which is like a huge resurgence for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Later he's gonna be in Transformers The Last Night. Yes. <laughs> But it, he's he's in so much stuff. He's also in Noah, Red okay. Two, Hitchcock. <laughs> oh, he's good in Hitchcock. I've he, not seen that movie. Yeah, he he plays the titular Hitchcock. <laughs> and then um, you have like to go into. I didn't really go into the, like. So uh, Thor has like his crew, mm-hmm. which we'll get into the specifics of the characters. But in terms of the <laughs> actors, a lot of them you know are not very known people. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I think like at the time of the movie, you know, like now I, I recognize some of them, you know. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really deep dive into them. But also you have Stellan Skarsgård. Is he related oh, yeah. to the other ones? I don't know. I'm confused about that whole thing. Is that thing. like the Smith of Sweden? It must be. I bet it is. Um, who's in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Goodwill Hunting. Um, he, he's great. Love that guy. Yeah. And then he, he also signed on because he was like, oh, Kenneth Branagh's making it. I want to be in. Cool. So I guess he must be a very well-respected director, even though he's a I, knight, Micah. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I guess if you can work with a knight, you work with a knight. And then you have... How come Tom Cruise hasn't been knighted? I know he's American, but Sir Tom Cruise? Probably because he's a Scientologist. I'm going to knight him. He is Sir oh, okay. Tom Cruise. As of this... As... <laughs> we refer to him as Sir Tom Cruise. We will refer to him as Sir Tom Cruise, but not always. Just when we remember the bit. We also just like calling him Tom. Yeah, we love Tom. See Tom run, see Tom eat, see Tom breathe, see Tom run. See, see, Tom, Tom, see run. Tom jump off of the tallest building in the world. <sighs> I can't wait to do Mission um, Impossible. It's just going to be us screaming for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty much all I have. I don't want to mention Natalie Portman's uh, intern because she's so terrible. Her what? Oh, yeah. We will get to her. Um, yeah. So then just a couple more things and then we can dive into the movie. Uh, so, uh, reminder, Marvel, or Disney acquires Marvel Studios in December 31st, 2009, and they began filming this movie on January 11th, 2010, so they probably didn't have much to do with this movie. Yeah. Except for, like, on, like, like the pre-production, they didn't have much to do with. Uh, the movie's still distributed by Paramount Pictures, so we're not fully into the Disney yet. I mm-hmm. think, if I remember right, I think Avengers is, like, the first, like, through and through Disney movie. Okay. So we're not quite there yet. Okay. Uh, it comes out May 6, 2011, Thor. Uh, the budget is $150 million. And this is nuts to me because I remember when this came out, this was like, no one, this character is well known, but no one knew if this movie could work. And it made a domestic $181,030,624. And then worldwide box office, it makes $449 million. $326,618. So it did pretty good. Did really good, especially considering how crazy this character is in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I guess you, yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. So let's dive into Thor. Okay. 2011. Okay. We watched it last night. It opens on Natalie Portman, Skarsgård boy, and the intern. And, and one of the titular two broke girls. Yes. Um, they are out in the middle of New Mexico in the, like, in the desert trying to follow a storm. So Natalie Portman's a storm chaser, but is like a, she's a scientist. So she's, she's trying to like find irregularities mm-hmm. in storms. Which they never and really... That's just like, that's what I think she's doing. What is she really trying to find? I don't know. Yeah. Um, she just kind of, the whole, the whole, one of my... My like, it's not that big of a problem for me, but it's there's a little tiny like dock on her character because she's like, oh, we're finally on the brink of understanding, and you're like, but what? What? Yeah, what? It, what are you trying to understand? It's kind of that thing that doesn't work in science fictions. It, it's like there's there's a really fine line. If you're gonna make it a science fiction, which this movie technically is mm-hmm. in those areas, yeah. you have to make it understandable. It's like in Ant Man and the Wasp. It's like just because you're saying quantum. Blah blah blah. I have no idea what that word means. And yeah. if you're just making it up, can you at least like, explain what you're making up? Or now don't just, go to the bother of doing all that. Or don't do it. Just like be as simple as possible about yeah. it because you're you're making a movie for children. Yeah. And people and people who used to be children who love these comic books. That's so like no one hardly any of your demographic are scientists. Yeah, and and there's there's a very fine line between like Primer, which if you're unfamiliar, that's a movie about time travel. Very complicated. They like talk about mathematics and it's all theory and it's about like the science and the interestingness of that. If you thought Inception was explanatory, watch Primer. Yeah. But but these movies, it's like they should be simple science because we're not there for the science. Yeah. If you're there for the science, spend more time on the science. If you're there for 
the story and the characters and the superheroes punch stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's that. And then there's a storm that's happening, but really it is Thor being beamed down to Earth Yeah, from Asgard. And they, they, they hit him with a car, and then they, they come out, and it's like, what was that? And then it flashes back. Mm-hmm. And so we don't like, know it's a To like basically yet. like a day before, probably. Oh, well, we get back to his, actually to when they're children. Mm-hmm. And and then there's that there's that narration by Anthony Hopkins and who yes that's right that's who right. else can narrate but Anthony Hopkins he can narrate like uh, a detailed description of someone pooping on the toilet and you'd be like wow that's incredible you know it that that scene like reminded me of the beginning of the Fellowship uh huh um which, which like we were kind of talking like the this movie does pull from some like Lord of the Rings things that Lord of the Rings did really well. Mm-hmm. that that they're instituting in this movie and I, I mean i think it's intentional but i think they're just like using something that worked prior to this movie yeah and i don't think that's wrong i don't know if it works i th- i think that because narration is tough and i'm not specifically talking about narration yeah i'm not yeah. i don't have a problem with the narration i, I like how else are they going to introduce this to the city slash world slash realm not really sure but by narrating some of it yeah, but I I think specifically the narration because usually when narration starts mm-hmm. like like when you're just giving exposition and background, I'm I'm kind of like all right here we go right oh brother it's it's usually discouraged from scripts when you're writing a script yeah but I think in this movie it works I give them yeah. a pass on that and they they introduce us to the Bifrost yeah um which are gonna be pseudo villains in the movie well like a MacGuffin yeah um and and then there's a couple of like battle scenes that look eerily similar to uh the fellowship yes. when they're fighting sauron at the beginning of the movie except not shot as cool yeah the the one of the things i will say i think the action in this movie is pretty lacking on the way they shot it it's pr- pretty besides the one scene in the first act when thor and his crew yeah that um, that's great the, that pe- that, that's that, the peak of the movie though that scene kills what, what did you he said peen <laughs> Um, <laughs> the peak and scene the peak scene of a movie is the peen of the movie um but yeah that that's a that's about the the height of the action in that movie is that scene yeah it's just kind of i mean i prefer longer shots in in action sequences anyway mm-hmm. and so when you're cutting a lot and when you can't tell for sure who's doing the stunts especially on such a like that's on such a dark planet Mm-hmm. in the opening shot it's so dark and yeah. the those bifrost things are so dark yeah they're like really gray looking it's pretty hard but it's at, also the, like but at the same time it is a narration and it's not the point to see yeah it. you're supposed to just see confusion they of fight battle. that's it so i actually changed my opinion because it's just confusion of battle but later in the movie the action is very lacking yeah um, and then, you know, we see Thor get knighted as Thor, Sir, Sir well, Thor. Well, you see, like, the first introduction of Thor as a child and Loki as a child. Right. And a little interaction of just, like, I think his dad basically says, like, one of you will be king one day. Mm-hmm. And a king should not look for fight, should not look for war, but should be ready for it. Yeah. Um, which is, it's a pretty, it's like a, then we see them growing up. And that's what Thor wants. He wants war. He, yeah. He wants, because he has a lot of pride. And these Bifrost people come back later on and he's like, oh, this is it. We have to do something about it. And Odin, his dad's like, that's the wrong thing to do. Because then you'll start a war. And like I said, don't start a war. Yeah. Um, he says something to the effect of, uh, 
uh, I lost it. Okay. And let's move forward. Okay, but uh, <laughs> first, first thing that I that was a little notice noticeable to me that I I think kind of dated the movie because I think that you know effects are a lot better now and makeup in some areas is a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Hemsworth's hair is too blonde, like blonde, and his beard it's so blonde that it's like they had to have dyed his beard. Oh yeah, like every other and day and his eyebrows and and today or like I haven't seen the second Thor, but like so Thor, Thor Ragnarok, we'll just go to there. Uh-huh. Like his dirty blonde hair. It, it's it's he has depth to it. It's he has he has highlights, but he also has lowlights, and he just looks more like a person. Yeah, and I know he's a god, but like it it's too it, it's like hard to relate to him a little bit because he looks so cartoony. See, and that that I think because. Because the universe, like superhero movies, have been on a high for so long in 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 our like movie watching and stuff. Yeah. I think now it looks a little dated, but at the time, I think they they, they still wanted to just be like, "Here's a superhero." Like, no, yeah, he you're looks probably like it. right. And so when I see it, I just think like he looks like Thor, and yeah. I think that that looks cool. And he has the helmet with the wings on it on the top. Yeah, that's which cool. I like. Yeah. So they, I I like that. Yeah. So. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I guess the, let's fight. Okay. Uh, so, you know, then then when Thor's being knighted, uh, and that's not what's happening if you don't haven't watched a movie in a while, but that's just what I'm calling it. The Bifrost break in, try and steal this Bifrost generator thing that's not, not very really clear. explained. Um, and then Thor decides to uh, go with his crew to the Bifrost planet and challenge and them. And let's take a minute to talk about and, the crew. And that's that's without his father's approval. That's true. Let's talk about the crew. So, the crew. This So, like I've said, basically with every, uh, you <laughs> know, the last three that we've done, I have not read the comics. I, I don't know anything about Thor. So, I yeah. understand that his crew are most likely characters ripped from the comics. Mm-hmm. So, there's that. However, it's not very excusable because you have the hot girl who's a badass fighter. Love it. Um, she's great. But then you have the pretty boy who's a three musketeer. Favorite character of the have, whole movie. And then you have the fat guy who likes to eat. He's and he's awesome. just a big guy. And then you have an Asian. Love it. Just like that's that's the the cultural diversity, right? Like in this Asian. Everyone's British. This guy has an Asian accent. Everyone is British on Asgard. Like everyone. Still don't know if it's a planet, a realm, specifically or a city but you would think like okay these are these people this is them like this is how they talk but except for this guy i i I, it's weird right no is it it, weird it's it's that part is definitely weird it's just very funny because as we were watching the movie jordan's like oh these guys are so annoying and i'm like i'm pretty into it especially the pretty boy who looks like a three they're just checking boxes off because he's got a little goatee and he's like ha ha there you are and he's yeah and i just it worked for me. Yeah. They, they totally work, but I totally get why you yeah. don't like them. I just them. think like a, a planet city thing that does not establish itself as diverse, which I mean, they don't need to. It's just Asgard. That's what it is. Um, then you have like this one guy who's not British or white. Well, Idris Elba. Oh, you have him too, but he's British. Yeah. It's, it's weird. He should have just had a British accent. Yeah. And then it would fix it. it and, it's just, a little, it's just distracting, I yeah. guess. But, yeah. um, yeah, so that, that was, I just, but then again. And, and Jordan and I like diversity, for the Well, record. yeah, of course. We're just pointing out how strange it is that, like, anytime an Asian character's in a movie, they have 
like movies like this, they just have an Asian accent. Whether that person was born in Asia or born in America, they always have an Asian accent. Yeah. And that's weird. And it's that, just kind of like, oh, of course. Yeah. Um, And I think at the time I saw that movie, it didn't even cross my mind. No. But now being 2019, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think they still get a pass. It's not like oh, totally no, bad, no, but... no. It's, it's a little odd. And then, like I said, these are probably characters from the comic book. So it's mm-hmm. like they're just using source material. Yeah. So if really, if I have an issue with anything, it's with the comic book. Yeah. Well, pr- yeah. I know they change a lot of stuff. They do, though, yeah. So. Um, so then there's that first fight on the Bifrost Which planet. is pretty cool. And the makeup on the main Bifrost guy is cool. Mm-hmm. He looks cool. He's got red eyes. And he is like practical. That that's the thing that's cool about this movie. It's right before they go full CG, and the practical stuff in this movie I think looks fantastic. Absolutely. And I think for the most part, like the effects are blended pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. So, so it actually holds up visually on an effects level pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I I think that because like something I mentioned was that that guy's suit didn't even look like it might have been hard to move in. It probably wasn't comfortable because it was his entire body was a costume. So I I imagine that's probably pretty uncomfortable. But it's like, so then you see Avengers Affinity War and you have that one girl who is completely CGI'd, but her features aren't changed very much. She just has like bigger eyes or like maybe a bigger head. she is the one that has kind of the white face. Yeah. um, And and she... Wakanda. Yes. And she, well, she's, yeah, she's trying to like hunt down the Avengers Mm -hmm. throughout the movie. And... It's just like you see this movie Thor and he looks so good and he's able to move around. Yeah. Or like other people who have this makeup are able to move around and then they just like, and I understand like this is kind of money, like using money in certain areas and like not spending as much time in other areas. Yeah. But uh, she was pretty distracting because she was completely CGI'd. And although the CGI is a lot better than it would have been like five years ago, it's still CGI and it's distracting. Yeah. It's that whole thing like if you notice it, it's bad. Right. Um, but anyway. I'll, I'll get off the soapbox for that one. No, I think that's a good parallel to draw. Um, so then there's this fight sequence. And it, what's really cool about the sequence is they do a great job of showing you things that Thor can do with mm-hmm. his hammer. And they do the signature, like he throws his hammer and the camera follows the hammer. Yeah, that's which cool. Which is very cool. He, do, he like flies around. He does all this crazy stuff. Loki also... Um, like portals around mm-hmm. with showing different versions of him. So Which is also very cool. Yeah, and you're learning what these characters can do without them having to be like, I have super strength. Yeah. And then uh, Loki gets touched by a Bifrost, which freezes them, mm-hmm. the, the the gods of Asgard. But for him, it like turns his hand blue, and then it goes back to um, his normal color. Right. So that's when he's like, wait, what the heck? Why did that happen? Right. And then this huge beast is released. He's a big boy. And this beast is cool. Yeah. I like this beast a lot. He, it's like this four-legged, running, huge monster. Yeah. And it looks like it gets thrown down this pit. But then the camera goes upside down, and it's just running along the ground. Running. Because it's like... Yeah, upside down. It's And it's really cool. Yeah. It corners the, the, um, remain, the crew. Yeah. And they're like, what are we going to do? And then... Ho- Thor, I almost said whore. Oh. <laughs> Thor flies through the beast's open mouth and out, like into his throat and out the other side and breaks a hole into him. 
and the thing falls over dead. And you see a hole through it. And I fist pump at that yeah. point. That is freaking cool. Yeah. And at that point, I am thinking, maybe I misremembered this movie, and maybe this is like maybe my favorite Marvel movie of phase one. Because I'm going, I love this right. movie so far. This is great. And then we get to act. Well, then, okay, so then Thor's dad shows up. On a six-legged horse. And I'm like, that's freaking cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, I wish we could have seen the horse run, but they don't really show it. Maybe some other time. But he saves them because they're being surrounded by more of these Bifrost dudes. Um, saves them, takes them home, and then um, Odin banishes Thor from Asgard. Mm-hmm. And also takes his power of the hammer away from him and like puts this little spell on it that says like whoever is worthy of this will receive Thor's powers which is so like mythological yeah that's and great. I, I think that's great so then he, they, they get thrown in different directions although they both do end up in New Mexico just like several miles away from each other Thor and mm-hmm. his hammer um and then then and we then get back to, to the beginning the of the movie. Of the movie was yeah act one complete yeah act one I'm like, dang, this movie's cool. And then the movie comes to a screeching halt. Yeah. And there's parts that are good, parts that are kind of bad, but act two is the weakest part of the movie. Yeah. So he lost his powers. It just gets so boring so fast. Yeah. He lost his powers. He's with Natalie Portman and her her one broke girl and mm-hmm. Stellan Skarsgård. And they're trying to figure out who he is. He's trying to explain. Well, he's taken to the hospital. He's taken to the hospital. He fights his way out. He's even though he doesn't have the power of the hammer, he's still a god. So he's still, he, he's still a strong boy. Yeah. So he breaks out of that hospital, gets hit by a car again by Natalie Portman. They have mm. another little meet cute where she's like, "I'm so I'm I'm sorry, I'm not doing this on purpose." Yeah, and that's when the weird romance starts. Should we talk about the romance of yeah, the movie? Yeah, but by romance, there's no romance because they have like no chemistry. I think as actors, they have chemistry. Yeah, yeah, but, but I'm it's just like saying like the, they, the dialogue and the situations, I'm kind of like, really? You're falling well, in this love? Is how, it's it's like lust. Yeah. She just thinks he's hot. Well, this is what this is the whole thing. Because she gives him clothes and he has his name tag on the shirt and he's like, what's this? And she's like, oh, that's my ex-boyfriend's. I, and like, what? He might, he's a great scientist, but he wasn't great at relationships. And you're like, okay, so she just got out of a really bad relationship She's still probably pretty broken or hurt by it. She's looking for someone else. So who does she look towards? This mysterious man that fell from the sky that seems to have no baggage. Yeah. That's pretty much where the relationship (laughs) ends and begins. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of time where they talk to each other about things. There's only that one scene when they're on the roof having uh, like by the fire and he's explaining to her like the different realms. Yeah. Um, But that's more of just an exposition thing, not much of a... Yeah, and Cute she's just thing. like, wow, he's telling me things I've wondered about. Cool. I love this man. Yeah, she's got some messed up priorities. She still <laughs> needs to figure... She still needs to uh, work she, on herself. Yeah, she needs some alone time. Yeah. Can we just agree that Jane needs a little alone time? Yeah. Um. So, skipping over some stuff, there's that scene where the, the just people from town are trying to grab his hammer, mm-hmm. and Stan Lee hooks it up to his lead cameo so far yeah he hooks it up to his car starts driving and it removes the bed of his truck and he turns around and goes did i get it (laughs) great cameo (laughs) big laugh from jordan yeah uh and and then shield comes in yes they get the hammer like in a et like tent which is great because at the end of iron man 2 the shields guy gets a call and he's like i gotta go to new mexico yeah and so, like, that movie ends and begins. Like, you know, it's not that mm. much time has elapsed between Iron Man 2 and Thor. Yeah. And now I, I'm going to say a controversial opinion that I don't think you're going to agree with me. Okay. 
I don't like Agent Coulson. Oh, I don't. He's. I don't really care. Oh, okay. I just. He's just there. He's. He. He's. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I like what he functions as a character. I don't like how the actor's playing him. Okay. And I'm not sure how to fix that. I just almost wish. It's almost like he's too nice looking. I almost want someone that looks a little harsher. That's oh. just a little bit more like back off. I have this covered. Okay. I don't really care who is the face of Shield because mm. he's not really a character. He is Shield. And they just needed to put shield into one person. So yeah. that's just him. So I don't think they need, like, you know, they purposely haven't given him very much because that's too much time to spend on a person. I guess Which, I just, I, I just, maybe this is, this will sound weird, but it is movies. It's a visual medium. Yeah. I just think as an actor, that guy doesn't look cool. And I that's want a him, good point. I want him to look cool but or I want him to be like a nerd. I am wondering though, cause I remember in Avengers, he dies. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember- they- bring him back in a tv show but never in the movies right but when he dies in the movie i remember being very confused because i wasn't very into all these movies mm-hmm. and i'd seen them all like out of order so i was like why are people caring about like why are they, why are yeah. they making such a big deal out of it and i wonder now when we watch get to that movie if i'll be like okay this is more impactful than yeah i thought it was yeah but um, yeah i don't really i don't really have an opinion about him yeah i just wish i mean i feel like the guy is a good actor i just wish it was someone else Okay. I, I just wish it was Keanu Reeves. Well, not we really, but that. I kind of do. Uh, you know what? You know what? Actually, for for real, I wish it was John Hamm. And oh, not, that would not, be so good. Not just because now I, I love an opinion. <laughs> not just because I love John Hamm, but he has the like suave. Yes. Like, don't mess with me. Yes. He, he could do that. Oh I, my I gosh! Why I didn't think it, John Hamm? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he'll be a superhero in the, another no, movie. No, no, he's got to be this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, then, then Thor goes gets his hammer. Well, he tries. Or he attempts to. And boy, does it start raining and is there mud everywhere? Yeah. Which means only one thing. Mud men, fight. Men in mud, baby. And uh and Hawkeye's there. And they introduce us to Hawkeye. And I'd say I'd say before putting a judgment on what happens later with Hawkeye, I'd say my interest is peaked with this introduction yeah, to the character. Because the, the, there was enough intrigue. He's there and he's out. And you're like, okay, obviously there's something about this guy. And it, it is interesting. You pointed out how it logically doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, but for an audience member, it is interesting that we see this new character and he goes, all right, take out Thor. And he, well, they don't know his name at the time, but yeah. he he reaches for a rifle and then the camera pans up and then he you, you he grabs a bow and arrow. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with who Hawkeye is, you're like, what? He's going for a bow and arrow? And then if you are, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Right. So I think it's, yeah, I, I understand why they did that. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't logically make sense that someone who only uses bow and arrow would reach for a rifle, but it's cool. Hey, he had a little brain fart. Give it to the guy. Yeah, he did. He had a small aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, Thor is trying to get his hammer out. And he's still hot, just arrogant as ever. Oh, hot, yeah. Hot-headed Thor boy. He's like, because Natalie Portman's up there waiting for him, and he, she's like, how are you going to get out? He's like, I'm going to fly out. Mm-hmm. So then Hawkeye has his sights on him and is waiting for the call to take him down. But the agent Colton, is that his name? Of Colson. Colson. Yeah. He, um, he's like, wait, I want to see this. So they give him time to try to get this hammer out, but he's not worthy of it. Which is, you know, most of this movie, he doesn't have his hammer. Yeah. Which I think is cool. Um, it's, it's just a great yeah, I think introduction arc, and build. His arc is a really good arc. Yeah. Because then eventually... Loki usurps the throne like his dad is sick I don't remember why but then he sends this um 
Defender, I think it's called, down this like metal sheen thing. That shoots out fire. It's so cool. Yeah, and it comes down to the town, and uh, Loki's crew, I mean, Thor's crew comes down, and it starts blowing up the town, and it looks eerily like a scene in Man of Steel, which mm-hmm. came out afterwards, so I'm kind of like... How, fo- hmm. how much longer after this? Well, it would have been 13 or 14, okay, because it came out after Dark Knight Rises, which was 2012. Um, so, uh, they're doing that, and then Thor basically is like, I... And this is a pretty cool scene. He goes, I am willing to die for these people. Mm-hmm. And so his arrogance goes down, and then the hammer comes flying toward him, and then he starts fighting. And that's a cool scene. I wish, having seen Thor Ragnarok, that someone would re-edit the scene to put the the um, Led Zeppelin music in it. Yeah. So, like, right when he gets his hammer, it goes, bum But, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. Mm-hmm which is the name of my autobiography. Um, and so does that, fights the thing, and then does he return to Asgard at that point? And he's like, Jane, I'll see you later. So he, he you know, realizes, well, Loki comes to him at one point and says, Dad is dead, and Mom doesn't want you to come back. Right. And then his crew comes for him and is like, we need to bring you back. And he's like, I can't, my dad won't let me come back. And like, oh, no, no. I can't. I'm still exiled. My dad is dead. Mm-hmm. Something. And then um, his crew is like, he's not dead. So then, oh, Loki's been lying to me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's when he goes back. Because he's like, okay, Loki is messing up business yeah. here. But before that, we see this funny little scene where he Thor is making eggs. And he's really good at it. And we're wondering, if he never went back to Asgard and just decided to be a human, probably would have been a really good chef. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he yeah he goes back to Asgard, has a very passionate kiss with Natalie Portman, and she she does which I'm quoting. I don't even like to say this because I don't like, I, but she goes, "Oh my god!" No, no, no. She says it really in a high pitched voice. How did she's like, like? Oh my god! But no, she doesn't hold it out like that, Micah. It's but it not was sexy. it was so obvious because yeah, but it's it wasn't like, like that. It's like she's looking at him and she's going, "He's a god," and that's yeah. why she's saying it. Yeah, it's almost like God. It's yeah, not, that's it's not what that it is. Bad, that's what it is. Like oh that. my god! Yeah, uh, it's so. But it yeah, was so, so bad. Thor is like, "I'll come back for you." Goes up there. He's not coming back for a while. Um, and then they fight. He gets Loki. They break the bridge that could bring them back to Earth. But it is for the protection of Earth. Yeah. And to and prevent the Portman. Bifrost from coming into Asgard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Loki flies off into the distance, never to return. Ooh, he jumps off the bridge. Yeah, he lets go. Cause which is when you realize Asgard, whatever it is, is a flat realm. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. But there's that, there's that, which I thought was great, where... Loki, Loki and Thor are fighting. Thor breaks the bridge with his hammer, and then him and Loki are being held by Odin, um, hand, yes. hand holding. And yes. then, and Loki goes, "I did all this for you," or something like that. And Odin says, "No," and then he realizes he's not gonna be like his father will never understand him, and that he's half Bifrost, and he's not technically his son; he's an adopted son, and he just lets go. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's pretty cool. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, so final thoughts on the movie. I think it's a high 5 out of 10. Like 5.9. I enjoy it. I think it has some issues. 
I think for the early phase one, I think it's pretty good. It's mm-hmm. a decent movie. Um, I wish that the love connection was fleshed out more because obviously they have to set up that he cares about Earth. Yeah. And it's a good thing to put someone that he loves on Earth, but it's just so... It just feels like someone writing a script wrote the love story. You know, it doesn't feel natural. No. It just kind of shoot in there. Yeah. But there's, I think, for the most part, decent movie. Second act kind of sucks. Third act is like half good, half It ties good, it together. Half bad. Um, the first act is just so something great. Something that I, I wish that they would have committed 100% to the magic of Asgard is like, so Idris Elba is like the realm keeper. Uh-huh. And it's like, whoa, that is such a cool role. He's such a cool dude. <laughs> It makes it sound like I don't think that, but I really do. He's a great guy. He rocks. Um, but like, it, it looks too scientific the way that it works. Again, I, like I have that. not read the comics, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. But to me, it's like just be magic, be full on magic, and like you can understand your own magic. I just, but just I like thought that was it, cool. Yeah, it's it's just like a little too like, and I have nothing wrong with steampunk, but it's a little too much. Like, oh, it's kind of steampunky. It's like this old mythological thing. But it's scientific, too. And it's like, no, just let it be science, like magic, and it's cool. But that's just an opinion. I don't think yeah. anything's wrong with how they did it or anything. I think the way they visualize Asgard, to me, is very interesting and cool. I, 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 I like think, the look of Asgard. I don't. It's okay to me. It's okay. I like the Rainbow Bridge a lot. The Rainbow Bridge is pretty cool. I agree. And I'm glad they brought that back in Ragnarok and yes. have a fight scene on it. Very cool. Yes. And um, even this, when they, him and Loki were fighting, it didn't look bad. For being an older movie. Yeah. It didn't look fake. Although it's kind of funny, I noticed a lighting thing, a very specific thing. The bridge is lighting up a lot, but mm-hmm. their faces are remaining lit. So oh. they're clearly, I mean, obviously they're not on a rainbow bridge, but you would think that they would set up lights so that their faces change colors throughout the scene, and they don't. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, so next week, I, I think, did we cover it all? Yeah. Yeah, it's we we really delved into this one. I think this is like the one we've delved into the most. Um, so next week we're doing Captain America: The First Avenger, mm-hmm. and next week I think we should announce what our next what what we're gonna what we're gonna cover in between Phase One and Phase Two. What series we're gonna cover? We're gonna announce that next week. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And Captain America: First Avenger. See you then, boy or girl. Bye.